It's so easy to worry, isn't it? We can worry about paying our bills. We can worry about our next meal. We can worry about our future. We can worry about... There's just so many things to worry about. Well, in this episode of The Bible in Life, we look at Jesus' prescription for worry. Greeting friends, once again, it's good to be together on the Bible and Life podcast. Super excited to be uh, with you here today. And this week in America, it's Thanksgiving week, national holiday, uh, where we, we just are thankful for all the provisions and all the blessings of life. And I've got listeners in Canada and Sweden and Uganda and I've had listeners in Australia and all over the place. And so people that listen to this podcast, wherever you're at, don't necessarily celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, and and so for all of us, what, what I want to say as I begin this episode today is Thanksgiving shouldn't just be a, a holiday a week out of the year when you read through scripture, you know, you hear things like, be thankful always. And and, and sometimes that is even followed up with this next one, rejoice always. And those two frequently go together. More often than not, a thankful heart is a joyful heart. Um, and so learning to be grateful in all the seasons of life, in the ups and downs in life, thanking God for his good gifts, it's celebrating. I mean, celebration is actually a, a good spiritual discipline to practice both big and small celebrations where... We thank God for the good things he's brought into our world and brought into our life. And so so wherever you're at, wherever you're listening, I would encourage you this week, every week, to practice the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving and celebration and thanking God for his good gifts and celebrating your life and our world in the context of a good, gracious, heavenly father who loves you and loves this world very, very much. So that's what we're doing this week. We're we're going to enjoy the Thanksgiving holidays as a family this week. And I hope those of you who are listening in America, have a great Thanksgiving. Those who are listening outside of America, that you can find some time this week to th- to be thankful and grateful and celebrate what God has done for you. All right, uh, last last episode before uh, I jump into the material, I mentioned about these online courses that you can check out on my website. Just a uh, just a note on that, I'm actually building a, an app, a, a phone app, that uh, will actually make those courses much more accessible and much more affordable. Uh, so I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, I think we're just going to call it the Bible in Life app, named aptly for this podcast. And uh, it's really going to just have the four core courses to begin with that I'm putting together, Bible survey, Bible study, skills, core beliefs, and the basics of spiritual growth. Those four courses can really help you learn how to read the Bible well, uh, understand who Jesus is and what Jesus believed, and how to follow Jesus and live according to his way. So going to put those on an app. Hopefully that'll be coming sometime in the next couple months. So I'll keep you posted on that. Um, it's going to be a super uh, affordable and accessible way for for people like you just to really get some top-notch Bible teaching, I hope. And so I'll let you know when the Bible and Life app is available, but that should be coming out real soon. All right, 
In today's episode, we want to continue through Matthew chapter 6 and walking through the Sermon on the Mount. In our last episode, we looked at what Jesus said about uh, where you lay up your treasures, and we looked at why, that Jesus has a certain belief system about money and stuff that is uh, maybe different than ours, and we need, if we're going to be his disciples, to take him seriously and have confidence that he's right in that assessment. Well, the passage we're looking at today is is Matthew six twenty five through thirty four, and it really flows directly out of that. In fact, it's connected logically with it at the very beginning with therefore or for this reason, depending on your translation. And and so now Jesus is going to draw out an implication. An implication of believing what he believes about money and stuff. An implication of laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. When you believe what Jesus believes about money and stuff, and when you therefore decide to take his instructions seriously and no longer uh, make getting more stuff the pursuit of your life here, but you decide to focus your energies on laying up treasure in heaven, when you decide to do that, then here's an implication from that, all right? That's kind of where we're going in this section in Matthew chapter 6. So let's, let's just read and comment and look at it together. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25, he says, For this reason, all right, drawing out this implication, I'm not going to serve stuff, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to lay up treasures on earth, and therefore, for this reason, Jesus says, I say to you, don't be anxious for your life. Um. When you understand that you have a heavenly father who's going to take care of you, when you understand that if you invest in his things and lay up treasures with him and it's, it's safe there with him, it's no longer vulnerable and temporary with him, it's, it's lasting and permanent and well cared for. When you do that, you don't have to be anxious. So he says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life. And what he means by your life is, he specifies the basic provisions of life. So notice what he says. Don't be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink. The basic needs of life, food and drink. Nor for your body as to what you will put on, what you're going to wear, covering for your body, protection and clothing for your body. Don't be anxious about that. Um, And then Jesus draws that out and says, is not life is not life more than food and the body more than clothes like isn't there more to life than than food and clothing and Jesus is right there is more to life than that right you you could have enough to eat and you could have plenty of clothes and and feel empty and unsatisfied and lost and confused right in fact it's not uncommon to read reports of some incredibly wealthy people who have more than most of us will ever understand and to have them talk about how empty their life felt, right? There's more to life than stuff, money. There's more to life than even the basics of life, food and clothes. Uh, now, the reality is, uh, depending where you're listening from and where you live, um, A lot of my listeners are in Canada, Sweden, America, Australia, Western nations, where we have plenty of stuff. And most of us in those cultures haven't had to worry about these basic needs of life for a very, very long time. We haven't had to worry about where our next meal is coming from, or we haven't had to worry about if we're going to have enough clothes, right? Um... Not that all of us haven't been there, but for the most part, that's just not our massive concern. But in Jesus' culture, 
That's a huge concern. In fact, if you remember the setting for the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is on the hillside. He's got this massive crowd gathered around him, and most of these people are incredibly poor. The vast majority of the people in Jesus' day and age kind of existed at a day-by-day subsistence level sort of existence. Um, and they, you know, they just barely made ends meet and they, they worked to live from day to day. They would go to the market and buy their bread for the day. And they, they just made it from day to day. They, they might only have one or two articles of clothing. That was it. Uh, they lived in, uh, small villages where their homes were made out of the mud and the rocks, uh, from the hillsides around them. It, it was a, you know, not that all of them were that way. There were people who had uh, more than others, and uh, the the real wealthy of Jesus' day really took up only about a one percent of the population. You didn't really have much of a middle class. You had kind of a very small middle class um, that had a little bit more than others, and then the majority of people just they just lived from day to day, and they just barely had enough. And Jesus is saying to people like that. Don't worry about where your next meal is coming from. Don't worry about having enough clothes. Isn't life more than that? That's pretty radical in that that context. It's pretty shocking and pretty surprising. But again, it's because of what Jesus believes. It's because of the way Jesus looks at this world and the things he knows that we need to know. So let's keep reading and hear what Jesus says. He says, using the examples of everything that's around him, right? Remember, he's on the hillside, he's outdoors, and he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't, like, plant crops. They don't reap crops. They don't gather into barns and store up for more and more and more. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. That's what Jesus understands. That's what Jesus knows is that God takes care of his world. God takes care of the birds of the air. And he ends by saying then, and aren't you worth much more than they? Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you worth much more than the birds of the air? Jesus believes that God cares for this world, including you and me. So you don't need to be anxious. When you've made God your treasure, and when you've decided he's going to be the master whom you serve, then you don't need to worry because your father will take care of you just like he takes care of the birds. Now, he also goes on and says this, verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Being anxious about the basic needs of life, Jesus says, is actually impractical. It's impractical. What it, in what way? Well, it doesn't achieve anything. It's not going to lengthen your life. Worrying about food and clothes isn't going to lengthen your life. So it's impractical. Um, so which of you, by being anxious, can actually add a single cubit? A cubit was a unit of measurement. Which And the idea is... Which of you, by being anxious, can add any length to your life? Worrying is not going to lengthen your life. Now, medically, we know today that worrying actually can shorten your life. It can, it can actually cause all sorts of problems that, that can actually shorten your life. It's certainly not going to lead your life. And so worry is terribly impractical. 
Now, next one, verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothes? Why are you anxious about clothing? Again, he's outside and he says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at all the grass of the field. Here in Idaho, where I live, we have some pretty uh, amazing mountains in various parts of the state, and I've had the privilege of backpacking into those mountains. And when you walk into the mountains in late June, early July, the snow has melted. Uh, there is green, lush meadow grass all over the hillside, and then there's beautiful wildflowers, and the colors are radiant. And you look at all of that, and it's like, where did that come from? And that's what Jesus is doing here with his audience. Observe the lilies of the field. Look at all these flowers growing on the hillside. They don't toil. They don't spin. And yet Jesus says, yet I say to you that even Solomon, Solomon was one of the Old Testament kings, the, the wealthiest king of the Old Testament. So incredibly wealthy. It's a very apropos example, Jesus pulls. Yet even Solomon, Jesus says, in all his glory, in all his wealth, in all his splendor, in all his stuff, even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself nearly as nicely as these wildflowers of the field. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and then tomorrow is thrown into the furnace... Right, like again, in the mountains here in Idaho, those wildflowers are only in bloom for just a few weeks out of the year. They're here here today, gone tomorrow. It's not like they, they last forever. They're pretty in the grand scheme of things, they're they're pretty brief, short, not really that big of a deal. If God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into to the furnace. Will he not much more do so for you, O people of little faith? Do you hear again what Jesus is saying, what his assumption is, what Jesus believes about you, me, life, and this world? He believes that God takes care of this world. In the worldview of Jesus, he actually believes that this world is overseen and providentially cared for by a gracious, loving Heavenly Father. And if God takes care of wildflowers... And grass, won't he take care of you? Because you're much more valuable than that. Um, and then Jesus ends with the phrase, O men or O people of little faith. And I don't know how you hear that phrase, but I think it's really important that we hear that sort of as almost a playful little nickname. Jesus uses that for his disciples uh, multiple times in the Gospels. And and I don't know that we should hear that harshly. I think it's a little nickname that's a little bit chiding, but a little bit playful. Um, Jesus is trying to help us realize that our real problem isn't our lack of stuff. Our real problem is our lack of faith. And so he gives his followers, the crowd, uh, us, this little nickname, oh, you of little faith, you little faiths, um, you need more faith. You need to trust. You have greater confidence in your heavenly father who will take care of you. So don't be anxious, Jesus says, saying, what shall we eat? What are we going to drink? With what are we going to clothe ourselves? Don't be anxious. Don't worry about all of that. For all these things, the Gentiles, all these things, the people who don't know God, that's the sense of Gentiles. And this Gentiles literally are non-Jews. Um, but in Jesus' original audience, those are the people who don't know God. They don't know God as the Heavenly Father. They don't know that God's the one who takes care of them. 
So for all these things, the Gentiles who don't know God eagerly seek. That's what they pursue. That's what they worry about. That's what they they seek after. And your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. God knows you need all these things. So don't seek after, don't worry about all those things. Instead, verse 33, very well-known verse. This is the context of it here. Listen to what he says in verse 33. But seek first. Seek as your first priority, the number one thing in your life. Make it your first aim, your first agenda. Make it the highest priority in both your checkbook and in your, your daily schedule. Seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness. And all these things, these basic needs of life will be added to you. This, in the context of like last week's episode, tied together closely with this week's episode, this is how we actually lay up treasure in heaven. How do we lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth? Well, we do it by seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Because our treasure is there, our heart is there. And that means we seek God's God's kingdom and God's righteousness as our highest priority. We invest in it. We give ourselves to it. We devote our energies and our time and our resources to it. God's kingdom, God's righteousness becomes our first and highest priority. Now, what's God's kingdom? If we're going to seek God's kingdom, God's kingdom isn't something in the future per se. In fact, Jesus came announcing that God's kingdom was at hand in his ministry. So his kingdom isn't something uh, exclusively in the future. It's something that's present in the here and now. It's going to come more fully and more completely in the future. But God's kingdom fundamentally is God's rule or God's reign, God's kingship. God's kingship, his reign over this world. And God rules and reigns over this world now in and through Jesus the Messiah. Um, And so seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness as your highest priority. And that's the prescription to worry. Because God cares for you, because God is a gracious, good, heavenly father, seek his kingdom and do not worry. Because if you care for God's kingdom, God's going to care for you. That's the prescription for worry. So instead of worrying about food or drink or clothes, we seek God's kingdom. That's what we do as disciples. Um, Now, how do we do that? What does it actually mean or look like to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness first? Well, remember, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is unless your righteousness surpasses that of the religious leaders of the day, you can't enter the kingdom. So righteousness and kingdom have already been brought together in Matthew chapter 5. And so those two go together in Jesus' understanding and seeking, or uh, Jesus' understanding and thinking. So part of seeking first the kingdom means uh, seeking surpassing righteousness, uh, prioritizing and planning to become the kind of person who has surpassing righteousness. So to seek first his kingdom means seeking first surpassing righteousness, to become the kind of person who is described in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, if a disciple will set aside anxiety over materialism and instead apply his or her efforts towards um, practicing God's righteousness, that person won't need to worry because the Lord will actually care for him. That's what Jesus is saying. So the centerpiece of seeking first the kingdom is arranging our life 
to become the kind of person who lives out Jesus' teaching, who does what Jesus uh, taught us to do. And again, you read through the Sermon on the Mount and you get a, a lot of that. So arranging your life, organizing your schedule, your time, your days, your weeks, your months, your year, organizing your life to become this kind of person who lives the way Jesus teaches us to live. Um, One author in a little essay on the kingdom of heaven says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven makes contact with humanity through the lives of people who have yielded themselves to God and made obedience to the will of their heavenly father a priority. They have made God king and he reigns in their lives. If you want to seek first God's kingdom, then you arrange your life for God to be king of your life and to make obeying him a priority. And that means arranging your life to learn how to obey, to become the kind of person who can obey. And so that's a huge part of seeking first the kingdom uh, of God and his righteousness. It, It also more than likely includes prioritizing the agenda of the kingdom. Um, bringing God's kingship, God's reign to bear in this world, in your sphere of influence, in your family, on the job, if you own your own business, in the way you conduct business, right? In your neighborhood, the way you interact with your neighbors and the people around you, that you begin to, to figure out, okay, what would it look like to do all of these relationships and carry out all these parts of my life in keeping with God's reign, God's kingship, the way God wants life to be done, the way God created and designed it to be done, that you, you, you give attention to, thought to, prayer to God's agenda for this world. And you begin to figure out how to carry it out in your sphere of influence. That same author in that essay about the kingdom of heaven uh, describes it this way. Let me just read you this quote from him because I think it's really helpful. When one enters or joins the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, one becomes a partner with God in spreading redemption throughout a hurting world. That person goes out and feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, visits those who are in the hospital and prison, prays for the sick, defends the rights of the orphan and the widow. A person who has entered the kingdom of heaven gets involved in people's lives. He or she pursues a lifestyle characterized by, I love this phrase, characterized by mending the world. Where there is hatred, he or she sows love. Where there is injury and hate, pardon. Where there is doubt, he sows faith. Where there is despair, he or she sows hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, he brings or she brings joy. That's what it means to live for the kingdom. And so we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in that way by becoming the kind of person who who actually submits to God's reign, God's kingship, and then carries out God's agenda in our sector of life, our sphere of influence. And in doing so, we're making God king. And God now is our master. Money and stuff is not. And we're being changed from the inside out. And surpassing righteousness is becoming ours. And and how does that fit into the, the immediate context in this passage? Well, it fits in this way. Look at what Jesus says at the very end. Therefore... Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough concerns of its own, he says, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough worry, enough trouble of its own. 
You worry about God's kingdom. You care about God's kingdom, and you let God care about you and care about tomorrow. Because if you care for God's kingdom, he'll care for you, and he'll take care of you. That's the point. And the question is, again, do we believe it? Do we believe that Jesus is right in his assessment of money, stuff, wealth? Do we believe that Jesus is right in in saying that we can actually trust God to take care of our basic provisions, our basic needs of life? Do we believe it enough to actually say, I'm going to give attention to and my time and energy to seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness? My prayer is that you and I will be a people who do just that, that we will trust our Heavenly Father to care for us, and therefore we will give our our first allegiance to and our highest priority to, and it'll show up in our time and our schedule to seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness first, because that's the prescription to worry. All right. That's it for this episode of The Bible and Life. God bless you guys. May you go in peace. May you trust your Heavenly Father. May you serve Jesus. And we'll see you next time on The Bible and Life.